Let's Go Green, sponsored by Airgrid, managing and operating Ireland's electricity grid for a cleaner energy future. Check out airgrid.ie for more. Hello, and you are very welcome to this week's episode of Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103. I hope you are safe and well as you tune into our episode this week. I want to say a big thank you to all of us, all of you who got in contact with us after last week's episode of the show. I know a number of you really enjoyed it. So please do send those messages in. They all do get read and we do appreciate hearing from you. So if you want to get involved in the show, hop over to midlands103.com, click on the on-air team. You'll see um, Ashling O'Rourke with a picture of me beside that. Click on that. You can send me an email directly. And you can let me know what you think of the show, propose an item for the show, the show or even suggest a guest um, if you know someone who's involved in environmentally friendly activities and you think they should be getting some publicity, well, feel free to send me on their details. But we've been through a bit of a cold snap in recent days and it's at this time of year that we, let's be honest about it, we tend to try and wrap up and light the fire or put the heating on, even though we know it's expensive, we don't want to live in cold houses and homes. But that does have consequences both for the environment and for our own health. And I was driving around in recent days and I noticed, um, particularly on the foggier days where I could see the brown soot in the air from a houses that had open fires. And I love an open fire as much as anybody else, but we do have to think about potential alternatives and um, how we might be able to improve our own circumstances. And we do like to give people ideas on that um, side of things um, here on Let's Go Green each week. But this week we're taking things a little bit differently. And while we're not for a second denying the environmental impact of burning fossil fuels, we want to take a little more of a personal look at that and look at the impact it has on our own health. And to discuss this a little bit further, I'm joined by Dr. Ruth McDermott. And Ruth is a specialist in public health medicine. Dr. McDermott, you are very welcome to Let's Go Green. Hello, Ashling. Thanks very much for inviting me to come on the podcast to chat with you today. Can you explain to me what air pollution is in layman's terms? What is it that we're keeping an eye out for? So I suppose air pollution is really tiny particles of chemicals and substances that are in the air and in the air that we breathe that could be damaging for our health. And yeah. I think people who suffer with perhaps asthma or any kind of a lung condition, they they would often say that at this time of year, um, things might be a little bit more difficult for them because of it's a little bit colder um, and they're more maybe aware of, of breathing difficulties. But air pollution, these little, little particles, they're almost invisible to the eye. They also are, are contributing to that. Isn't that correct? Yes, that's absolutely true. So I suppose um, in a way you could think of air pollution as affecting our health kind of both in an acute way, but it also has kind of chronic or or effects in a long-term way if you're exposed to it on a long-term basis also. But even in an acute way, I suppose the the people that are most vulnerable or most at risk, as you say, would be people with asthma and including children with asthma, people who already have chest conditions or heart conditions 
and um, I suppose any small children, pregnant women and the elderly would, would always be, be conscious of trying to minimise their exposure to any kind of, of pollution, including air pollution. Okay. Now, I grew up in a home that's heated by oil and has, you know, open an open fire in it. Um, I'm not... I understand the environmental impact of that, but I don't have the money to get the plumbing in the house and tear it all up and put, you know, put new facilities in place. I just, I just don't. It'd be in our case, it would be very expensive to take up all the floorboards and that. Um, and I know that there are a lot of people in a similar circumstances where they might recognise that by heating their home with fossil fuels that they are doing on an individual level environmental damage, but. We tend not to think about the damage to our own health as well as that. We we tend to perhaps feel guilty about the environmental circumstances, but maybe gloss over the impact that it's having to ourselves um, and our bodies. Yeah, so I suppose, um, yes, and we're very conscious of, of this. I mean, people are struggling at the moment with the cost of living crisis and um people aren't at liberty to to make suddenly make major changes to how their houses are heated. But I think it's what's happened in recent years really is our understanding of the effects of air pollution um, by experts around the world. Our understanding has kind of increased and now people would say there really is no um there is no safe limit for exposure, for example, to what they call PMs. And PMs means particulate matter. So they're tiny, tiny particles. And in recent years and decades, there's been more and more understanding that the very smallest of these tiny particles can get not only down into our airways and down into our lungs, but actually the very tiny ones can cross over and get into our bloodstream and go around our bodies. So um, our understanding of the effects of air pollution has in- improved in recent years. And because of that, the World Health Organization is actually constantly making the limits of what they'd consider safe lower and lower. So the guidelines, the kind of guidelines mm. they would say for, say for air pollution, they're, they're making them lower all the time. So what does this, so I suppose, what can people do to minimize their exposure? And um, I suppose in recent weeks, we've had spikes of air pollution in some of the, the towns, including towns in the Midlands. And we've had readings where the air pollution was, or the air quality was rated as either poor or very poor, even on a short-term basis. And the research actually show, tells us that one of the big contrib- contributing factors to that is, is households that are, and they're burning uh, solid fuels. And by solid fuels, uh, fuels I don't mean not not only coal, but also uh, turf and also wood. So all of those, all, burning anything really can produces uh, what we see as smoke, but what contains various different chemicals and gases and, and, and contains particulates. And I know... So it's a really tricky one for people, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's, a, it's a real difficulty because, you know, if you're, if it's minus two degrees outside... Like you, we can't expect anybody to sit or go to bed in a cold home. And there are already people in the country making those very difficult choices when it comes to their own finances and whether or not they, they pay for fuel. Is there anything we can do on a practical level to 
reduce our exposure health-wise if we do live in a house or a home that's heated by burning solid fuel? Well, I suppose in terms of your your air quality inside your house, there are a few things that impact on that. And one would be having your house well ventilated. And I suppose anyone that's got, if you've ever got that, the foam stuff put into the walls of your, the cavity walls of your house, um, it's an essential requirement to make sure that you have vents in your rooms. If you have anywhere where you have a fire or you have a cooker, you need to have a vent. So having adequate ventilation in your house is really important. And I suppose the other um thing that's very important is for people to regularly have their chimneys cleaned or if they, they have a stove with a chimney to have that that chimney cleaned on a regular basis and to make sure that all your appliances are working properly. So if you've boilers, you get them serviced regularly. And when you're talking about people's air quality in their homes, it's very important as well to have carbon monoxide monitor because so carbon monoxide is a gas that, that you you can't even smell or detect it's kind of like fumes that can sometimes be given off by any kind of um, a fire or a stove or, or anything or boiler that can gi- they can give off carbon monoxide and that can at acute high levels that can that can cause acute poisoning. So that's quite a, a dangerous um, chemical, and that's why carbon monoxide monitors are promoted. So when we see the ads on television promoting carbon monoxide monitors for people, but in terms of the kind of other than that, then the kind of choices you can make. So I suppose, I think in Ireland, we really we have a legacy issue with the the housing stock that we have in this country. Um, I suppose a lot, a lot of the housing, and particularly in in, uh, in some of the towns, was, was geared towards people being able to heat their homes by, by burning solid fuel. And many people, they need to light their range, and, and the only way they, they have to heat their, their house is to light their range. And, and that's... That's it's essential to have a warm home. Mm. So those people really they don't have a huge choice. I guess in terms of what fuel you can use, uh, I know the EPA on their website, the Environmental Protection Agency, they would would um, have have suggestions, and they, they have a good kind of infographic on the website that 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 it tells people what choices would be slightly cleaner, or what they can do to 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 have slightly cleaner uh, fuel choices. So, for example. Um, you're better off to use really well. If you're using wood, you're better off to use seasoned wood. If you're using wet wood, that creates a lot of fumes. And um, I know, say, in October of 2022, there was uh, a ban came in on uh, the sale of wet wood and the sale of turf. And I suppose, yeah, so it's it's, it's that piece of, of using more seasoned wood is, was one of the choices you can use. And if Obviously. you do use turf or wood to make sure that when you're storing it at home, um, that you're keeping it dry as well, that you're that it's bone dry before you put it into the fireplace. Yeah. So I suppose to, uh, and turf, so coal with smoky coal, of course, as they say, the smoky coal has been banned, and we know that was creating quite a lot of air pollution. And we know going back, if you think about what life is like in Dublin in the 1980s. Um, there was quite, Dublin suffered from very poor air quality in the winter and they used to get terrible smog. That was before the smoky coal ban came in in Dublin back in the 1980s. And um, in more recent years, then that the, smoky, the, the sale of smoky coal has been banned around the country. But likewise, I think um, turf does produce particulate matter, the burning of turf does produce a lot of particulate matter as well. 
and the burning of wood, particularly unseasoned wood, does produce particulate matter. So I think there's certain there are certain um, days and certain kind of weather conditions where you kind of can nearly see that outside the smoke isn't isn't being blown away or isn't mm. isn't dispersing, and the smoke you can nearly see the smoke sort of sitting on the ground. And in in the Midlands, sometimes it's those very severe cold days when the weather is very calm, and sometimes you you notice it when there's there's fog and the air is muggy, that the, the, the smoke that's being produced from your chimney isn't going away. And on those days, I think for, sometimes people have, have a few different options for heating their house. So if you're somebody who has sent, who has central heating and also has a, lights a fire as a kind of an extra, then maybe on those days would, would be the days where you wouldn't light the fire. But when that's, that there's that very that that kind of um, foggy atmosphere, those are the days when pollution can be at its highest. Does it matter if the fire is, in terms of health risks or, or, or complications, does it matter if the fire is an open fire or a stove with a door on it? Um, does does that have any, I suppose, does having a stove over an open fire have any benefit because the door is closed and then you'd hope everything's going up and out into the chimney, out into the environment through the chimney? Mm. Uh, I think that stoves would be slightly better than open fires, but I think it depends on the individual one. So sometimes mm. if your chimney has a problem and you don't, I don't have a good draw on the chimney, then that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And that's a that's kind of a how long is a piece of string question, really, isn't it? It's very dependent on everybody's individual circumstances. And and of course, um, Dr. McDermott mentioned there the importance of of getting the the boiler serviced and the chimney cleaned. It's it's very important, Dr. McDermott, isn't it, that you um that you get that the, these things done with um registered people who are qualified to look at your own the, the gas boiler or the oil burning boiler that you get someone into the house who who knows what they're doing that it's it's not the friendly neighbour, as the, the Daniel O'Donnell ad suggests. Absolutely, yes. They need to be qualified uh, registered professionals to, to undertake those jobs because the, the consequences of, of having a problem, with having a, particularly with carbon dioxide, are so it's such a dangerous thing to get wrong. Absolutely. Over the Christmas holidays, I was visited by some cousins who um, had new arrivals in 2023. And I was fascinated and it hadn't occurred to me before um, they, they visited when, while we had the stove lit at home. And these little newborns, effectively a four month old and a nine month old, hadn't seen a burning fire before because in their newer houses and their homes, they don't have open fires. So it, like it is something that it just made me pause and think while it is something that many people will miss from their homes. Newer houses and more modern developments will no longer have this health risk in, in an open fire at home. But um, maybe tips like you're saying that on while you still have one in your own home and, you know, even if you don't intend on changing it at all, things like not lighting the open fire if you have the oil fire or the gas fired central heating on a particularly quiet uh, weather-wise day, a, a calm day, a calm cold day, maybe some fog. Is there anything else that we should take into consideration? I think really you, you've hit the nail on the head there when, when you talk about the newer houses being built. Um, really, I suppose it's one thing to kind of ask individual people to make choices and to think about what they're burning or to try to use cleaner types of fuels and do less burning of solid fuels. But really, it's it's a 
it's an issue that needs to be addressed at kind of at government level, doesn't it? And and mm-hmm. when we see the new houses being built that actually don't have that 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 are very well insulated and they don't actually have an open fire, they don't have a fireplace, they don't have a chimney, which is kind of strange to see. And instead they have they have some solar panels. But the way forward for us as as a society and for our towns will be as the housing stock improves and with the new with the building regulations is what will really in actually serve to improve our air quality. That, but and also people, I mean it's one thing to ask individuals to make changes, but a lot of people aren't, as you say, aren't in a position to to change what they do day to day and they're really just struggling with the cost of living. What we really need is is um grants for people to insulate their homes so they don't need to do as much heating of their homes and I suppose um, making of the cleaner types of fuel, making those cheaper and subsidising the cheap, cleaner ones would make life easier for people or make it easier for people. In health promotion, going back decades, we, we've always, in health promotion, they've always used the term making the healthier choice the easier choice. And I think that kind of thinking has to apply to um, when you're asking people to make make environmentally friendly choices it's about making making the environment, the whole um, of society support people to make healthier choices. It's not about pointing the finger at people and trying to, you know, um, pressurise people. It's about supporting them and financially supporting them. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think being being realistic with the costs involved when it comes to maybe, you know, having to redo an entire home's heating system as you say, that with the newer building regulations and, and this will eventually, this method of heating will, we hope, be phased out over the next you know number of decades. Let's be honest about it. Um, might that, and maybe this is you know me thinking wishfully, might that see lower incidences of, say, childhood asthma and, and other um, diseases that are associated with air pollution? I think that's very likely. I think that's very likely. And so, for example, um, some of my colleagues would have done research in in Dublin City, where you can see the track the air quality, and and you've a, a large number of people there, so you've a lot of data there. They they can track um, hospital admissions for for respiratory conditions, and even hospital admissions for for heart conditions, and link that's associated and linked to air quality. And certainly, when the um, so you've an increase in admissions when the air quality is poor. And certainly, if you've ever heard, you've probably heard Professor Luke Clancy, who is a very eminent uh, respiratory consultant, and he has amazing data on the impact of the, the banning of smoky coal in Dublin City and the effect that had on, on people going into hospital with, with chest conditions, but also with, with, in deaths from, from chest or respiratory conditions that had a major impact. So, so I agree with you. I think the more we can do to make the air clean, we will see, we will reap the benefit of it. For, for, um, I suppose for chronic conditions, which is probably a little bit harder to see, but even for acute, acute conditions with people acute worsening of asthma and acute worsening of, of bronchitis in in adults and of heart conditions in adults, we will see that. And. It's important to say before we wrap up, Dr. McDermott, that uh, like neither you or I are wanting to, to lecture people. We're very conscious of the money that's involved in changing a heating system in a home. But we're trying to, 
I suppose, get us thinking more about the health impacts of open fires in our houses. That's it. I think it's 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 more to kind of to raise the awareness um, so that people are aware that there can be poor air quality in particularly during the winter, cold winter days in some of the ta- inland towns across Ireland. And you can you can check, you can get the the actual um, measurement for your town by looking on the EPA website, which is on the website airquality.ie. And there's um, there's a map there that shows all the different stations in, in and there's more and more stations coming online every year. Actually, there's a lot of monitoring going on now. But you can see you can check there to see um, is the air, how is the air quality in my town, and if the air quality is poor or very poor. There are things people can do as individuals to um, to limit their exposure. So, for example, people who have heart and lung conditions. Um, would be advised not to be doing strenuous activity outdoors when the air quality is poor. And um, most likely, the, the, the poor looking at the, the monitor results, that's most likely to be kind of in the evening and night time when there's a lot of fires lit and, and if the pollution, if the smoke and so on aren't being blown away by breezes on, on, a, on a very cold, calm day. So, so there are things people can do to check how is their air quality in their town and to take action or to take measures to to limit their own exposure to to the um to the air if the air is is polluted in their in their town on a particular evening so i do hope that we have gotten you thinking this evening as we uh, continue through the winter. There's another couple of weeks left in it, but the evenings are thankfully getting a little bit brighter. There's a, a bit of a stretch, not 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 a proper one just yet, but we, we, we will look forward to those brighter days. But for now, Dr. Ruth McDermott, Specialist in Public Health, thank you so much for joining us on Let's Go Green. Thank you very much, Ashley. It was lovely to speak with you. We'll be back after the break. Let's Go Green, sponsored by Airgrid, managing and operating Ireland's electricity grid for a cleaner energy future. Check out airgrid.ie for more. You're listening to Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103. I hope you are safe and well as you tune in to this week's episode. Well, I know in recent weeks we've talked an awful lot about different funding opportunities that are available. And tonight we're going to talk about another one, um, but it is separate to the Community Climate Action grants that are available at the moment through the Community Climate Action Officers. And I'm just saying that just to remind you that the deadlines for those particular funds are approaching shortly. So um, you really should be getting in contact with the Community Climate Action Officer for your local authority, your, your county council, uh, to see um, how you can go about applying for those if it is something of interest um, very quickly before those deadlines do expire. But on to um, a separate piece of funding that is, um, I wish I had the winning lot of numbers for everybody, but I don't. But we have information as to how you can get some money for projects tonight. Um, so we're joined now by uh, Terry Connolly. And Terry is from the Eastern and Midland Regional Assembly. Uh, Terry, you are very welcome to Let's Go Green. Thanks, Ashley. Thank, thanks for having me on and, and thanks for giving me the chance to tell your listeners a bit more about the EU Just Transition Fund. Now, Terry, I think um, in the Midlands, when people hear Just Transition, it's been that phrase has been used for a long time now. And I think people are, are a little bit cynical 
when we hear the frame, the phrase that's used. So in the context of our conversation today, what is the EU Just Transition Fund? So it was uh, set up originally uh, for for mostly the coal regions uh, in in Germany and Poland, largely. Um, but every country has a region that's you, you know been been heavily dependent on some sort of carbon extraction uh, a part of their economy. And you know in Ireland we've had the the National uh, Just Transition Fund. And that's been focused in on the Midlands because of our uh, extraction of peat for electricity production. Uh, and so um, mirroring that when it came to uh, to what part of Ireland would be chosen for the EU Just Transition Fund, uh, it just made sense uh, that it would be the Midlands uh, uh, again because of that history of uh, extraction of, of our carbon resources uh, for, for energy production. Um, so... Uh, I, I think listeners, particularly in the Midlands, will be very familiar with the concept of a just transition. Uh, you know, a, a transition has been going on uh, since since the nineties, uh, since you know, Fabian and Shannon Bridge and other power stations uh, up to Lanesborough have been uh, have, have closed down, uh, and peat production has been ceasing. Um, so it's it's the 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 idea of the funding is to try and make that transition more just. Uh, and what that means is to try and smoothen out some of the economic impacts uh, that that come along uh, as a result of that. So uh, it's very much uh, focused on a territory. Okay. Uh, the territory for the EU Just Transition Fund goes from uh, Carrick and Shore uh, all the way up to, to Roscommon uh, and from Kildare uh, over to, to East Galway. Um, there's, there's a map of it uh, on mm-hmm. the on the Emra website, uh, but uh, but yeah, the, the the idea is that that for the transition to be just the communities uh, in the in the territory uh, need some support. Uh, so that's where where the funding we're, we're going to talk about this evening comes. Okay, in. and that like as you say, like it is quite a large swathe of the country that actually is is eligible for for this particular um, fund, and. Recently, Minister for the Environment, Eamon Ryan, um, made the details of this fund known. And this is a five million euro um, fund, which is not it's it's not massive money in, in the larger scheme of things, but it is substantial. So what is the idea behind this? What would um, the EU and those behind the scheme like to see this money go towards? So, so the five million is part of a, a broader fund of a, of one hundred and sixty nine million, uh, and this this that that one hundred and sixty nine is broken down into into three priorities. Uh, one is is around generating employment and diversifying the economy. So, so diversifying the economy means that you know we're not so reliant on companies that might come in and then leave at a moment's notice. That actually it's locally grown business. Uh, that's that's encouraged. Um, second priority then is 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 linked to recovering the land uh, uh, following the the carbon extraction. Uh, so, so that's about restoration of degraded peatlands and and regeneration of some some of the assets associated with that. And then the third priority is around smart and sustainable local mobility. Um, so uh, they all link into the first priority really. Um, you, you know we we've 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 great new uh, uh, local link bus services across. Uh, across the midlands um but you, you know there's there's more that can be done 
uh, around electric charging and, and around you know even parts of that bus service. Maybe in the future you you know you you'll you have electric buses, and that's something that's been explored uh, as well in the fund. Uh, so so that that five million comes in under that priority one, that that generating employment. Uh, and really, you know, you, you'll hear a lot about tourism, about what, what Fulcher Ireland are doing. Uh, they, they've got a really interesting scheme open uh, at the moment for tourism businesses. Uh, and, and they've launched a, a new learning uh, scheme uh, as well for, for tourism uh, uh, businesses uh, during the week. Um, and then uh, the bioeconomy, there's a bioeconomy call uh, through the Department of Agriculture um, uh, just before uh, sorry, in October, and there's another one coming up now in the next few months. Uh, but then there's the community, the local economic and community plans bit, which we're working with Pubble, uh, uh, the Department of the Environment, uh, Climate and Communications, uh, ourselves and Pubble uh, are working on, on, on that part. Uh, and that's really unique because every council and every local authority produces local economic and community plans. So that they're bottom up mm-hmm. uh, uh, plans for, for, for each community. Um, but there's no real funding mechanism for them. So, so the Just Transition Fund is an interesting way of, of exploring uh, how projects aligned with these plans uh, can be funded. Um, so, so part of that is is the five million that's put aside for community groups and SMEs, uh, 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 social enterprises, and and um, uh, volunteer organisations to access uh, to be able to do their own projects directly uh, from from the fund uh, rather than through an, another vehicle. So. So as you said, like this, this five million, this particular tranche of funding, the target here is for community and enterprise grants. Yeah, community and enterprise. So it's it's a, a bit like Ron Seal. It, it, it does what it says on the tin uh, for community groups and for, for small to medium uh, and micro uh, enterprises. Uh, to avail of. Um, and on staying with that then, what might, uh, because sometimes these, you know, for, for business people listening, they're very, very busy. And sometimes, you know, when they, they see the details, it can be a bit opaque or, or, or vague and they might not have the time to, to digest it properly and understand what it is that's been looked for here. So could you give us an example of the, the type of thing that might be eligible for funding under this particular scheme? Yeah, so there's there's uh, a few different areas of scope uh, for this scheme. So uh, if 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 a business is used to applying for grants, they know that that grants are usually activity based. So you're 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 funded for for the activity you're doing, uh, and so the ones that that are covered in in this, like if you have an idea around you know innovation and energy and resource efficiency. So if you have an idea for you know making your making your company more efficient uh, when, when it comes to its energy use, uh, circular economy as well is is, is a very important theme. Um, so if if you have a new circular economy idea for your business, let's say there's part of your process where you have a waste material, and you can see a way to get value out of that or, or to reuse part of your your production line, um, or, or anything at all under the circular economy uh, umbrella uh, that's eligible for this call. Um, there's also uh, funding for some training and upskilling, uh, particularly associated with, with moving to a lower, lower carbon economy. Uh, there's retrofit readiness. Um, so this is being done in cooperation with, with the SEAI. Uh, there's some gaps, particularly around communities, 
uh, where it's it's one thing to offer re- retrofit funding, but you need expertise that goes with that. You need technical mm-hmm. expertise to help you implement that. Um, so so that's uh, that's eligible uh, under this call uh, that technical expertise. Um, so if digital, and just yeah. just on that one, Terry. So for instance, if you own and operate a factory in the Midlands and you want it to be more sustainable and energy efficient, but you have like it's very it's more complicated than retrofitting a house you can through this fund apply to have some assistance with figuring out the technical aspects of of actually doing that job of work exactly exactly it's it's to get you ready to be able to apply for for the SAI grants uh, basically uh, to to take some of the complexity uh, out of that so now and obviously now i'm speaking in hypotheticals and i'm just thinking of ideas um for people as to what they might consider um putting an application together around like i know before christmas there we had uh, john mcnally on who is the community climate action officer for offley county council and he's currently working on a project the idea there be you know the hope at least being that Tullamore will become a disposable coffee cup uh, free town and that we in Tullamore everyone will be using a keep cup of, of some kind or source but obviously those cups need to be bought initially and there needs to be marketing around that so so could for example and this is a hypothetical um the county council apply for uh, some of this funding to use towards that kind of a project, which would be under the the circular economy side of things. But well, well, the, the the county council actually have a, another part of this funding. So so the, the the five million is really for for the community organisations. Okay. So they 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 already have funding, uh, uh, which which they have. A, if any any of them are listening, just to remind them, they have a deadline for the twenty third uh, of January for their applications. Um, so so uh, so the council necessarily wouldn't apply under this. Um, but if you're a company. That, that wants to do this. If if you're a cafe that wants to, to to look at this route, then then maybe this is worth worth having a look at. And I know um, there's been a lot of talk. I think in the the area around uh, personal care, like hairdressing salons and all the chemicals and say aluminium foil that gets used, like that a lot of hairdressing companies now are looking at becoming greener and. A, doing their bit for the environment. But like you say, that will require some kind of expertise and assistance. So so, so that might be something that they could um, investigate this fund for. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. so I, th- I think an important thing for when you're considering your application, uh, and not just for this, but for any any application you're ever put, putting in, it, it's what's what's your final outcome going to be? What's the thing? What's the goal you want to get to? Uh, okay. And then plan out what you need to get to that point. Uh, and, and that gives you an idea of what your eligible costs are. Then, like, what do you need to do to get to that that end goal? Well, Terry uh, Connolly from the Eastern and Midland Regional Assembly, we might um, take a short break there. And Terry, if you don't mind staying with us, um, we will find out how to apply for the scheme after these ads. Let's Go Green, sponsored by Airgrid, managing and operating Ireland's electricity grid for a cleaner energy future. Check out airgrid.ie for more. 
You're listening to Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103 with myself, Ashley O'Rourke. And on this week's episode of the show, we're talking about uh, new funding that is available for community and enterprises under the EU's Just Transition Fund. And to talk more about this and how it operates, I'm joined this evening by Terry Connolly. Now, Terry, before the break, we discussed, you know, some potential ideas or or projects that might be and the kind of things that, that could be eligible for this funding. What then do community and businesses and business groups need to do in order to apply for these funds? Well, the, the, the first thing is to uh, either log on to uh, Pubble's website, uh, pubble.ie, or ourselves, uh, EMRA. Uh, emra.ie uh, and uh, there you'll find the the links uh, to to go in and, and explore uh, the the guidelines and what it's about and and again the other areas of scope around digitization and bioeconomy and things like that to to be able to explore the whole uh, the, the the whole the whole areas that you can apply under uh, and then um there's a few info sessions uh, that are coming up, uh, but you can register through through Pubble's website or again through the the EMRA uh, website uh, for that, uh, and they'll give you a briefing on on what it's about. Uh, you can ask what, any any questions you have, um, and, and they'll be able to answer those directly at, at that online meeting. Uh, we have another meeting ourselves in Emra on the 24th. It's a general info uh, meeting. Uh, we'll also have a little bit about uh, some of the Fall to Ireland schemes on that as well. Uh, so, so again, if you log onto the EMRA website, uh, you'll be able to register for that. And that um, information session with EMRA, that's, so that'll be Wednesday? Uh, that's, uh, yeah, Wednesday the Wednesdays. 24th. So what yeah. time will that be at? Uh, I haven't got the time handy. I think it's a it's it's roughly a lunchtime meeting. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's online, is it, Terry? Yeah, that's online as well. Fantastic. So it doesn't matter where you are, you can just um, hop on a computer and log into that information session. And I should say it is like um, a, it is important to attend the information sessions to really get to the, the the nuts and bolts of actually how to get the application form together and, you know, the, the requirements of something like this. It is absolutely because it's it's you know the, the, all all European funding it's it it can be complicated to apply to but if you give yourself time you start it early and you ask questions uh, it's very doable. Um, in fact, what one piece of advice would be to to start uh, as early as possible. Um, so if if you have an idea right now, just start jotting it down. Um, log on to the Pubble website and, and the documents are available there, the application guidelines. So download those and have a look. They, they can answer some of your questions straight away. Um, some, there's, there's frequently asked questions as well. There's a document on that where other people have asked questions. Um, so there's, there's lots of information there. Um, uh, and in particular, if you start early, like if, if, if you're probably one of the worst things you can do when applying is to start it at the last minute because yeah. you always have to remember you're competing against people who started early uh, and who are going to have stronger applications um so so definitely it's 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 always standard advice for for european project applications which is start as early as you can when does it officially open then 
Uh, so it's uh, it's it's open already. Uh, okay. It launched uh, launched last week. Uh, so uh, you're able to go in now and, and download the documents and uh, also register as well for for Pubble's uh, website. Uh, if you've applied for funding, like Pubble Run Leader funding and Peace Peace Plus funding and lots of other schemes, if you've applied through Pubble before, you probably already have an account with them. Um, but uh, particularly for, for businesses, if you haven't applied uh, through Pubble before, uh, make sure you log on and register because uh, there's a bit of a, a bit of a, a pre-clearance process mm-hmm. uh, before you can download the forms. So make sure you do that uh, early and straight away. And the deadline is not that very far away, is it? It's not. It's, it's, it's the 22nd of February. Uh, yeah. So there's there's roughly a month uh, uh, to get your application put together and put in. Uh, now there'll be other support events as well uh, as you go. That the the dates uh, the dates for those will be available on on the public website also. Um, and so Terry, there'll be plenty if, of support. If say for example, I decide I want to put this uh, an application together for my own company to 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 be to to support the circular economy and be more sustainable and all of that. But I run into difficulty while completing the application. I've attended the information session and now I'm going, oh, right. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm doing this correctly. Can I get in contact with yourselves and maybe get advice on my own application? Yeah, there's if, if it's more wondering about the Just Transition Fund in general and your general eligibility, uh, you can get in touch with ourselves at EMRA. Uh, our email address uh, for this is eujtf at emra, E-M-R-A dot I-E. Uh, but if you have specific questions on the application, uh, there's a, a online support. Uh, so uh, Pubble have a, a online support at pubble.ie and they also have a phone number. They have a, a call centre uh, you can call for, for advice as well. So, um, you, you know, we, we've... Uh, on some of the other calls that we've run with Pubble so far, it's, it's quite dynamic. Like if, if they struggle with a question, they'll send it to us. If we're struggling with a question, we'll send it to them. Uh, but the goal is always to, to try and try and help the applicant uh, and make sure that that uh, if it's an eligible application, uh, that uh, that you're able to get it in on time and get a good good quality one in. Because it's important to say that like when you're filling out applications like these, they can be quite dense and quite tiring and people are under pressure business wise day to day. And, you know, if you run into difficulty, it can be quite tempting to go, do you know what? This is too complicated. I'm just I'm going to do it next time around and leave it to one side and then never get around to doing it. But like there is support available. So why not? If you do run into difficulty, just log on to Pubble and ask for that help. Exactly, exactly. And again, it's that starting early because yeah, the, the forms are daunting when you first download them. Um, but when you start filling it in, you know, you, you find things like, oh, this isn't an essay. This is a 500 word answer mm-hmm. or, or this is a, you, you know, that, that bits of it. Uh, a lot of stuff is, is you know, like budgeting. Um, which, you know, maybe you have somebody in your accounts team, uh, you can break up the work and, mm-hmm. and give them that to fill in while you work on other parts of the form. So uh, if you don't give yourself time to break up the work, it can be very daunting. Um, but, you know, if, 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 if your company with a team around you, um, and also if you win the, if you win the funding, uh, you know, you want other people on your team to, to be aware of what's going on and to feel part of the process. So, um you know, it's it's daunting if you consider that you're on your own filling in the form. But if you're able to break it up amongst the team, it's it it can be it can be very doable. 
Well, Terry Connolly from the Eastern and Midland Regional Assembly, thank you very much for joining us on Let's Go Green to discuss the in this new part of the EU Just Transition Fund, which is aimed towards community and enterprises. So there's a grant there available for €5 million. Euro. It's up for grabs. You might as well apply for it. Better in your bank account than anybody else's, as they do say. Um, and, it, you know, it's worth reminding that this is available for community projects and enterprises in the greater Midlands area. We're talking Tipperary right up to Common, Kildare across to Galway. So hop on to emra.ie and pubble.ie as well for more information about that. Terry, thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks, Ashley. We'll be back after these. Let's Go Green, sponsored by Airgrid, managing and operating Ireland's electricity grid for a cleaner energy future. Check out airgrid.ie for more. You're listening to Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103. And I hope you enjoyed our show this week where we discussed the importance of tackling air pollution from a health perspective. And of course, those um, funding opportunities for community and business groups through Pubble and indeed EMRA. Terry Connolly wanted me to mention that the next Pubble information session will be happening on the 6th of February for that section of the European Union's Just Transition Fund. The deadline is also in February, so it is worth your while um, going on to pubble.ie straight away and registering for one of those information sessions to to get yourself in gear for it. Because as Terry said, EU funding is um, complex to apply for. Let's be diplomatic about it. It's complex to apply for and you need to tick several boxes and, you know, fill in the paperwork as properly as possible. So those information sessions are very important to attend so that you can figure out the nuts and bolts of what it is that they're looking for and whether or not your proposed project will be eligible for the funding. And as we said, you know, might as well have your company or your community group benefit from it as opposed to it going to waste. You know, the money's there to be spent. Why not let it go to somebody here in the Midlands? As always, this is my opportunity to remind you that, you know, we're always looking for content for the show. So please do feel free to get in contact with me through the midlands103.com website. So if you go on to midlands103.com and click on the, the there's a bar across the top of the screen and click on the on-air team, you I will see my name, Ashley O'Rourke. And from that page there, you can send me an email directly. We always get great interest from listeners of the show. And in the next couple of weeks, we will be having um, a number of guests on who have um, applied to come onto the show or, or put forward their ideas for the show um, through that system. And we always appreciate getting those emails. As I always say, I'm not as good at replying to emails as I should be. And as, as I don't meet my own standards when I come when it comes to it. Um, but I do read them all and I do appreciate every single one of them. So I hope um if there's something that you're working on, if you're involved in a school project, if you know if there's something in towards the environment that you and your community are working on, please do feel free to get in contact with us here on Let's Go Green. We always appreciate your messages and your kind words. I didn't mention Stormisha today because, you know, it's been a weekend of it and I thought, you know, let's just park it. But I do hope you all got through safely and that you weren't too badly affected. It does look like the next couple of weeks are going to be, um, you know, variable 
in terms of weather conditions. There was even talk I saw somebody um, mentioning over the weekend, I think it was Alan O'Reilly from Carlow Weather, mentioning that at the, as things stand currently, we could get a batch of snow come February. Um, apparently, Alan, and I must get him on the show sometime, but uh, apparently Alan's a cold weather fan. I'm not. <laughs> so I'm hoping he's wrong. I'm afraid that's all we have time for on this week's episode of Let's Go Green. Thank you for listening. As I said, send us a message, put forward some ideas for the show. They are always appreciated. But for now, stay safe and have a great week. We'll be back same time next week on Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103. Let's Go Green, sponsored by Airgrid, managing and operating Ireland's electricity grid for a cleaner energy future. Check out airgrid.ie for more.